0: Once upon a time, a girl with moonlight in her eyes. Once upon a time, so begin so many stories, the vast majority of which are told in a chronological linear manner. They start by establishing the plot's central premise, proceed to the middle for its complication, and end with equilibrium being restored. However, not all narratives unfold in this way. In medias res, meaning into the middle of things, is a narrative device literary in origin, dating as far back as Homer's Iliad and Odyssey in the 9th century BC, and Vyasa's Mahabharata a century later. From the 14th century Common Era, Dante's The Divine Comedy not only starts in the middle, its very opening line is, midway into the journey of our life. But poetry is one thing, theatre is a trickier prospect. Yet Shakespeare somehow managed it in 1611 with his tragic comedy *Cymbeline*. As for the novel, in 1866, Dostoevsky dove straight into the centre of it for his plot for *The Gambler*. However, *In Medias Res* should not be mistaken for flashback, when the story opens, goes back, and returns to that same point, after which it quickly concludes. There is very little, if any, plot development after its point of return. No. In medias res means beginning at a point, going back, circling around, again to that point, and then slinging away from it, into new territory, where new conflicts unfold. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care And though my pocket may be empty I'd be a millionaire Although it certainly wasn't the first film to do this, Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas begins with a man being stabbed and shot to death in the boot of a car, then goes back to detail how Henry Hill was inducted into the world of criminality, and then brings us back to the stabbing and shooting of the man, whom we now know is Billy Batts. But Goodfellas doesn't stop there. It goes on for another hour, showing Hill violating all manner of codes amongst his fellow thieves, going to prison, being released, succumbing to drug addiction and then being apprehended again before entering into the witness protection programme. Other films that have deployed similar structures would be Robert Seadmack's The Killers, Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist and David Fincher's The Social Network. And of course, special mention should be made of Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Everybody be cool, this is a robbery! Fucking pricks move!
1: And I'll execute every motherfucking last one of
0: you. Although it ends shortly after its starting point, it has in the meantime flipped back, somersaulted itself into the future, while simultaneously careening off on tangents left and right to follow other plots happening at the same time. Another example would be Fernando Morelles' City of God. Mm-hmm. Adapted from Paulo Lin's non-fiction novel, it begins in Rio's favelas in the 1980s. Rocket, an aspiring photojournalist, played by Alexander Rodriguez, fears that a ruthless criminal gang is out to kill him, and then he finds himself standing right in front of them, on the street. As he looks at them, and for a way out, we hear him say in voiceover a photo might have changed my life. But in the city of God if you run you're dead. If you stay, you're dead again. It has always been like that since I was a kid. Then Morelis and a screenwriter, Braulio Montavani, go back to the 1960s to not only begin Rocket's life story, but also go back to the creation of Ciudada de Duche the City of God of the title, a social housing project created on the outskirts of Rio de Janeiro. But the scheme has been so ineptly conceived and constructed that it has neither running water nor electricity to facilitate the rapidly growing population. Rocket's older brother Goose is part of a trio of petty thieves who land themselves in trouble, not just with the police, but with other emerging criminals. And within a decade, Goose is dead and the City of God has devolved into a favela a sprawling slum operating by its own laws. The plot continues on through the 70s and into the 80s, by which time Rocket has managed to get himself a camera, and because of a photograph he took of the favela's most notorious criminal, Lil Z, Rocket has secured for himself a position at a city newspaper. All of which brings us back around to the start of the story, where Rocket finds himself right in front of Lil Z's gang. But there is a full 17 minutes of the film left to run and considering the breakneck speed with which the story has brought us back to this point, we can be certain that an awful lot more will unfold before the credits roll. Mireles' film premiered at the 2002 Cannes Film Festival, where, despite screening out of competition, it attracted instant, near-universal praise. Mireles said he wanted to make the film feel as real as possible, and so, with crucial help from his co-director, Katja Lund, non-professional actors were assembled from the streets, and through extensive workshops coordinated by Lund, the cast was tutored in acting on camera. This meant that the dialogue was delivered in a slang so specific to the favela, it was extremely difficult for non-locals to understand what was being said. Morales's background was in commercials, and he took his very experienced crew to the slums to make the movie. And together with his director of photography César Chillon and editor Daniel Resende, they delivered a movie that although highly stylized, nonetheless felt very real. Here is Morelis.
1: What I tried was really to put myself and put the camera in the other side because um, the City of God is a social exclusion, a part of Brazilian society that really doesn't participate in the official official society. There's only in the end of the film two or three scenes where we, we see Rio de Janeiro, the Rio de Janeiro that we know, the official Rio de Janeiro, but it, it happens for three, four minutes. The whole film happens inside the favela. Is really, I, I brought the camera to, to, to the other side and, and tried to tell the story from that point of view.
0: Now, I said the film received near universal praise because there have been some very strong voices that expressed deep reservations about the way Morelles approached the subject. Overall, those objections focused on the way Morelles idealized the story and thereby drew our attention away from the poverty. In effect, those critics say that Morelis shot the film like another of his many commercials, glamorising the events through golden filters and blue tints, so what we see is aestheticised more than dramatised. But Morelis maintains that despite the abject squalor, there is vitality within the favelas, where life, despite its horrors, can offer up a celebration. Hmm. Everybody was coming Since the film begins in media's res, let's examine a chapter that happens after about 37 minutes. It is titled The Story of an Apartment. Shot from the same angle, but dissolved through timeframes so several years are condensed into one sequence. It begins with a woman, Donna Zelia, who, after her husband's death, decides to sell drugs in order to provide for her young daughters. But a local youth muscles in on Donna's small trade and a series of deals turn the dealers into killers. And then, well here's the thing. Is the apartment, once a home but now a drug house, a product of the young men's actions? Or are the young men a product of their environment? An entire module for sociology students unfolds in 150 seconds.
1: The favelas, I mean, uh, I showed showed the, the violent part. There's also a very, very happy part in the favela. Well, in the film, we see some parties and, 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 uh, and so maybe if I, if I could shoot the film again, I would use more of this, this, this vibrant uh, warmth of the favela. I own a company that uh, produce commercials that ex- stimulate consume. So I live with this, this conflict.
0: Now, let's circle back around to the start, to where Rocket is trapped by Lil Z's gang. Behind Rocket stand the police, ready to face off with their foe, which leaves Rocket the unwitting bystander in the middle. Instead of using a standard flashback cue to bring us from the 80s back to the 60s, Morales and Charlon opt for a very creative use of a circular tracking shot to mark the transition. It works for several reasons. Firstly, it tells a story visually, but it also works emotionally. Trapped between the two opposing groups, neither of whom are particularly interested in rocket, Rocket feels like the chicken we just followed during the opening credits. The bird may have escaped the butcher’s knife preparing a char grill, but there is really no escaping in the long term. It's a case of out of the frying pan and into the fire. But the camera move also works thematically. No matter how desperately Rocket wants to escape the favela, it seems that all his progress is just a mirage. He may have felt that he was moving forwards, but his efforts only landed him right back where he started. This is the vicious circle of poverty. Far from being a city of God, this is a circle of hell. But there is yet more. Note the direction of the tracking shot. It is counterclockwise, and while we see that, we hear this. Now, speaking of circles, let us consider the flag for the Olympic Games that has flown over Rio de Janeiro for the last number of weeks. The city has undergone construction and development on a scale never witnessed before. Billions of dollars have been spent on stadia and sport and media centres. Another $1.3 billion was spent constructing a subway system to run the entire length of the city's affluent south side, from Copacabana to the Olympic site. Yet, for all that money, when you are not travelling overground, when you are commuting from the international airport to the south shore, The Games organisers have gone to the trouble of putting up and painting colourful walls so that the visitors never catch glimpse of the favelas. Already neglected, the people within are now rendered invisible. Worse, several favelas have been knocked down and swept away to create space for tourist zones. No effort has been made to rehouse the people displaced. Instead, they were offered financial compensation. But with public money being directed away from public hospitals, schools and other amenities, most of those cheques have not been written. Sport is a wonderful thing, and in theory, events where competitors and spectators come together to celebrate contests should be a beautiful occasion. But when a city is already bankrupt, when its public school teachers have gone months without pay, retirees are months behind in pension cheques, and university professors double job to mop floors and empty garbage cans on the college campus. It means the Olympics is no longer a sporting occasion but a distraction to avert our eyes away from political corruption, crime of all colors and colors, social neglect and moral poverty. In New York last year, there were 350 recorded homicides. Rio, a city that has doubled the population, had 461 murders. In April alone. Now, the ending. Shockingly brutal, it nonetheless echoes Roberto Rossellini's neorealist masterpiece, Rome Open City. Made in 1946, it is still one of cinema's most important works, helping establish the neorealist movement. Rossellini climaxes his film with a priest, Don Pietro, being executed by the fascists. His murder is witnessed by small children. City of God goes one step further by changing the children from helpless witnesses into willing executioners. And then, just as Rossellini ends his film with a view of the young innocents walking across the hills of Rome, with the Vatican City visible in the distance, Morales has the young boys scampering down an alley and back into the City of God. It is such a desperately bleak ending, you wonder is there any way out? Highly unlikely because we shouldn't be fooled by Rocket's escape. His is just one story in a city of millions.